<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Welcome to the club that you didn't want to join. With a voice of red disease and this jingle doesn't rhyme. NordPod, NordPod, NordPod. My name is Matthew Zachary. And welcome to NordPod, right here on the Offscript Media Network. Now, I've been advocating on behalf of cancer and rare disease patients for over 20 years. Why? Because I am one. NordPod is the official podcast of the National Organization for Rare Disorders. And a quick reminder before we get started, that if you like the show, please leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts because it helps other listeners like you discover the show. Now, let's get started. Hello, friends. Welcome back on the show today. Vanessa Boulanger, Director of Research at Nord. And a heads up, you guessed it, she runs Nord's research department. What kind of research, you ask? Well, I'm glad you asked. We'll be discussing Nord's I Am Rare platform, a patient registry that, with the rare disease community's help, allows for a better understanding of rare diseases, how to manage them, improve treatments, and generally make life better for many, many people. All this and more coming up right now. Enjoy the show. Hello, Vanessa. Welcome to NordPod. Thanks for joining us. We're here to have fun, express what things are in the rare disease universe, channel the organization, build community, and talk today about registries. Thank you for having me. So before we get to not your wedding registry, not your baby registry, but a rare disease cancer registry, let's just, let's dive back a bit because I'm really, really like inspired by your your history. You've done incredible work for many, many years, but let's start with a master's of science from Harvard in global health and population. That sounds, sounds daunting. Tell me more about that. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, you know, I actually had the privilege to learn under some really great thinkers and doers. So I did start my career in global health, which was such a privilege. I mean, I got to travel the world and work with people all over the world. I got to engage with communities all over the world. So anywhere from Vietnam to the Philippines to Tanzania, for example. And then I got to work on a whole range of health and social issues. So nutrition projects, HIV transmission, maternal health. And really, there's a piece of every one of those experiences that I get to bring to my work at Nord. So almost three and a half years in or almost four years into this role at Nord, I find it pretty remarkable how full circle <laughs> um, all of my experiences seems to be. You know, just talking to someone who has been a legitimate global citizen, you've been witness to how health is truly impacted by culture and by government and by data. You know, from your perspective, do we rank a right in this country? 
we have so many resources, right? We have so many resources in this country. We have so much infrastructure in this country that is accessible to certain people. I think there's still quite a bit more work that we have to do to make it accessible to everybody. And that's in terms of cost, but also in terms of, you know, distance to or from a health center, distance to or from health expertise or specialization. So I, I think we're... We're not starting from scratch, but I think we still have some more work to do. <laughs> so you are the director of research at Nord, and I'm always triggered by the word research, having run my own nonprofit for so many years, because research means, you know, it's just like two syllables, but it means different things to different people. And in cancer land, it's always like the cure must be research, only the cure. But there are other things that are worth studying that are as interesting and potentially impactful as the cure. And in rare disease where there may not be a cure, help us unpack what research means to you and to Nord. Yeah, I appreciate this you know, talking point. I mean, my job is really quite fun. And I think that's surprising to people who do have this sort of, you know, sort of like physical reaction to the word research or data. I have the fun job of getting people to be excited about it. So kind of deconstructing that and framing it in a way that makes it accessible and understandable. And, you know, you don't really even have to use the words research or data to, to be talking about it. You can say that a study is a way to gather a community or to understand a community experience or an individual experience or a patient experience, a way to understand people's preferences a way to learn about how people are viewing the world or what's challenging for them. It's a really nice way to connect with people. And, you know, there's different types of research. Qualitative research is really more conversational. It's much more interview-based, where quantitative research is, you know, much more survey-based or kind of like defined answers. Like a typical sort of, yeah, survey, I guess, is, is the best way to talk about quantitative research. But really, research is about telling a story. So that's at the individual level as you're you know, participating in a research study, but also for the people who are kind of looking across the whole population or at a slice of the population and then talking about what, what the experience is for those people. So believe it or not, it is a creative process. I, I firmly stand behind it. It is a creative process. <laughs> I, I hear you completely and absolutely. And, you know, for the cheap seats in the back and the lay people listening, like, you know, we're not storied in academia and research and these longitudinal as a word, but lots of syllables of what does that mean? But is it fair to say that by your willingness to share what you went through or what you're going through as a patient in a rare disease or rare cancer situation by telling that to trusted sources, trusted resources, by giving of yourself, it hopefully makes things suck less for the next person like you with the thing you're dealing with. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's really it. Each, each person, each experience is just, it's so critically important to be able to capture that information. And especially in rare diseases where there's relatively few cases, relatively few people who are living with a certain condition or experiencing a certain condition. So really every data point, every experience is just so valuable to informing, you know, a potential treatment or unlocking the next advancement for that, that rare condition. 
So Nord has been inviting the community to share their story, submit their experience through, here's our word, a registry. In schoolhouse rock language, what is a not baby, not wedding registry? Oof. Uh, <laughs> so I don't know if I can make it sound like, you know, rock and roll, but it is effectively <laughs> A it's a it's a study. So a registry is or a natural history study really is a is an observational study. So that means that there's no intervention. You're just asking people to share what their experiences have been and then tracking their information over time. So that's the longitudinal piece is that you're just following the same people over time, trying to understand you know, all the different variables and factors that might be impacting or influencing a disease. So that could be demographics. So, you know, where a person lives, for example, it could be genetic, it could be environmental, social. And then you're kind of just looking at the progression of disease over time and and then able to look at how those different factors may influence the outcome of somebody's experience. So what is the messaging? How do you communicate with the communities under the Nord umbrella that we have this registry? What do you, what's the name of the registry? It's the I Am Rare registry. And so how do we communicate with the community about, about this opportunity? That we're- yeah, the invitation to be, I would say, like to be the research to make life less worse? Can we just say it that way? To improve yeah. quality of life for people like you? Yeah, that's really it. It's it's like, come and find your community on our platform. It's a way for you to connect with others who are, are sharing a similar experience that, that you are, have a similar condition or the same condition that you have. So it's a way to build community, have that community kind of centralized on our platform. And then to monitor like how things are are unfolding for this community over time. So that at its core is really, you know, the foundation of, of the registry. It's this setting up these studies for, for different rare disease communities and tracking patients over time. And particularly with rare diseases, the caregiver role is actually quite important since so many of the conditions, you know, overwhelmingly they're pediatric conditions. So having a platform that's flexible enough for patients to report on their own experiences and then caregivers to also report on the family experiences is critically important. So the I am rare platform is for, is it something like someone like me could go there and enter my information or is it you talk to somebody and they put it in for you or you can constantly go in there and update it on your own? Yeah, it's, it's, the latter of, of those. So it's it's basically, you know, the platform is open to participation from anybody in the rare disease community. And then you basically register your yourself with, with the IMR platform. You fill out some basic information. And then based on the condition that you have, you'll be you'll have the opportunity to participate in different studies that are hosted on our platform, you know, for the specific condition or set of conditions that you, you have. And so it's, it's intended to be, you know, open a resource for the whole community, a resource that is enduring so that there's no question about, you know, how long your data is going to be stored for, how long you'll have access to it. It's this perpetual and open source for the community. Right. And that begs the question of privacy and trust, because this isn't Facebook, 
right? This is closed. You trust. I'm sure there's some iTunes terms of service thing you have to read and click. But to what extent have you encountered, or maybe you haven't, resistance to sharing your information on the I Am Rare platform? Yeah, you know, I think that that's one of the the most powerful things about our platform is that it comes with the reputation of Nord, which, you know, has been a leader and a trusted leader in the rare disease community for nearly four decades. So the weight of Nord is sort of backing the IMRA registry program. So I think there is this foundation of trust that people feel. And then one of the sort of unique things about our platform is that the data is still owned by the community. So you know, we provide this this technical infrastructure. We provide a lot of programmatic support to to kind of help navigate, help people navigate through all the different research processes. But really, the data stays with the community, so it it's accessible by community organizations. It's accessible by the patients and caregivers who are entering the data in the first place. Right. So let's then de-jargon the word data, because that just sounds like it's scary and Terminator 2 and all that stuff. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's just the word that gets thrown around. And do the average person know? Yeah, data. I own my data. Give me my data. It's always this, 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 these turns of phrases in the cancer rare disease patient universe. When you say your data, you mean the information that you yourself are inputting into this platform about what your side effects or your your pain scale? Like, what are the 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 metrics or the, the the things you're putting in there that are this data? Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a great question. Um, so it's anything from when were you first diagnosed? How were you diagnosed? You know, when was your last visit to a health center? What medication are you taking today? What set of medications are you taking today? What medications have you been in, been on in the past? Have you ever received gene therapy? Could be something. Have you ever participated in a clinical trial? And then there's a lot of questions that we ask around quality of life. So that could be anything from, you know, sleep patterns or, you know, challenges with sleep, kind of assessing if, or just getting a snapshot, I guess, of, of, of people's sleep patterns. It could be anything from, on a sort of scale of one to 10, how many times in the last seven days have you felt good. How many days have you felt not so good? Really kind of getting that full range and scope of, of people's experiences. And then, you know, there are certainly like much more specific disease, disease specific surveys or questions that we ask as well. And that is typically a, a process that we do in collaboration with the community organizations that are working with us to set up these studies. So they'll, they'll work with their advisory committees to make sure that they're using the right, asking the right questions about a specific condition. So there's sort of that overarching set of questions that we ask around quality of life or diagnostic history or medication history that nearly everybody has a story to tell. And then there's disease specific questions as well that are a little bit more unique to the specific condition. Back with our guest after the break. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax. 
the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So Vanessa, let's talk about what motivates you. It must be really inspiring every single day to see people leveraging the I Am Rare platform to input information about their life, knowing it might help other people one day. What do you see in your job on a day-to-day basis of, of this really manifesting for something so inspiring to talk about? It's never lost on me and really everybody at Nord that who we're working with and for is this unbelievable community that is managing so much, right? They have so much on their plates so many challenges that are perhaps new or have they've been navigating for a long time. So that's really never lost on Nord. It, it, it's all of that care and feeding and um, sort of thought <laughs> that goes into making sure that we're really serving the rare disease community is interwoven into all of our programs and all of our offerings to the community. So what's particularly inspiring to me is just how people can can latch on to that idea that, you know, they're not alone in this, right? Like it, it probably feels really isolating and there's a lot of ways that people, um, you know, could be seeking community, but this community is, is so motivated. They're so out there. They're so active. They're so driven to make a change and not deterred by, the idea of, of barriers kind of being in their way. Like, you know, there are our, our parents and families that are speaking directly to the FDA and, you know, informing how research should be done and, you know, sitting at the table with folks who are running clinical trials that are developing to develop a cure or treatment for the condition that their family member has or that they have. And that's so powerful. And so that, that motivation, that sort of like drive to, to, just not be deterred is so motivating to me. It's so inspiring to me. So to the listeners of this particular show, if you find yourself curious about how you can, I would say, be the researcher, potentially improve the quality of life for those who follow you in your disease space or your rare condition space, let's talk about tangible success stories. Can you give me examples of how this registry has meaningfully and tactically benefited X, Y, or Z? There's an example that comes to mind with 
I don't know if I'll, I think I'll keep it like community neutral, but there's a community on our platform, uh, rare disease community. They have a study with us, a registry study with us. And they were one of the first groups to, to start a study on our platform. And the mom of this group, her son was the sixth case to be diagnosed in the world. And they were, you know, looking for ways to leverage this information coming out of the registry study that they were running. And while also working with researchers who were working on mouse models. And by sharing this, you know, the patient reported, caregiver reported information with these lab researchers, they were able to identify a new pathway, a new mechanism for how this disease functions. So it was the first time really that this sort of human-entered information was combined or leveraged for lab-based understanding. And it pointed these researchers to look at pain response. So in the the information that the families were reporting, there were a number of cases of folks who had children who were not having typical pain responses. So the dog would bite the child's hand and they wouldn't, you know, the child wouldn't respond or a child was, had a broken finger for four days and it never registered that the, you know, there was no pain response really. And so the reports of that in the, in the registry were what ended up kind of pointing the lab researchers to look at this pain pathway. (laughs) And it opened up this whole new area for discovery that's like really reshaped how therapy development and you know foundational research is happening for that condition. That's just that I mean I'm speechless. That's fantastic. And I think people need to understand that this actually does things. So many things don't do things. This does things. <laughs> so again, speaking to the listeners, a lot of the folks who do chime into the show are part of your nonprofit member organizations. So to those leaders of those organizations, what's your message to them? How can they most impactfully communicate the value of contributing to the I Am Rare platform? You know, I think it really is, it's a way, data really, I I don't know if this is the right phrase, the right reference, but data is sort of like the golden egg, right? Or the golden ticket and having it opens up so many doors for collaboration and support. So as a, as an organization leader, having this asset, this, this data set, this community centralized on a platform that you can ask questions to, you can bring them together when you have, you know, new opportunities and then you have information that you're collecting from them over time that you can share with others it just expands the the depth of engagement that these community leaders can have. And it really you know, opens up so much of um, like the scope of expertise that people can bring, that these leaders can bring to discussions that they're having with different stakeholders. So that could be donors, it could be their board, it could be researchers, academic researchers, clinical researchers, industry. So having the, the weight of this data to kind of underscore the key messages that you're delivering to your community about what's important is, is so, so powerful. So let's nerd out or nord out. Sorry, dad joke had to do it. There are some other <laughs> things that you do for Nord in the research space for rare disease. And I'll just use an act. I'm RDCA-DAP. I don't know what that means. What does that mean? Yeah, and you actually said the acronym correctly, so kudos. Well, I'm reading it off a sheet, so I'm cheating a little bit. Yeah, 
<laughs> it's it's a long one. So it's the Rare Disease Cures Accelerator Data and Analytics Platform. Gesundheit. And yeah. <laughs> Basically, so it's a um, an FDA funded initiative, and the the goal is really to identify where there are all these different smaller data sets in the rare disease community. So that could be you know different academic institutions that have collected or run studies for rare diseases, different clinical trials that have been run for rare diseases, different patient registries or or natural history studies that have been run for rare diseases. And then kind of tie it all together, bring it all together in, they call it a data lake, <laughs> which, as you might imagine, is is just sort of like bringing all the data together in this pool so that I thought it was can a lake. Be, <laughs> yeah, in this lake. Get your bodies of water body straight. Water. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then once it's together and structured in the same way and, you know, the language is used roughly the same way so that the data can be compared, then it really opens up a whole new pathway for data analysis. So you could look at, you know, a single condition across multiple data sets so that you're able to have a few small data sets contribute to one larger data set and have that support your analysis work. Or you could look across conditions that have similar symptoms or similar disease expression, and then see if there's anything to be learned there. And the idea is really that by bringing all of this data together, powering these studies in a way that the data sets are a little bit larger to support analysis, that we'll be better positioned to create better clinical trials that are less of a burden to the patient community, can be run faster so that we're getting treatments and therapies out there faster for the community. So that's that's the goal with that, is to kind of create this infrastructure that can almost vacuum in all of the smaller data sets in the rare disease community, put them together in this body of water, <laughs> this data lake, and then make them available for analysis. I, I just proves the, not even theory, proves the, the reality that by giving of yourself to this registry, potentially other registries, you can tangibly, tactically, and like almost like uh, within a matter of months, see change for your disease community because you chose to pay it forward. So before we go, how can people learn more about the I Am Rare platform? Where can they go? What can they do? How can they get involved if they haven't been already? Yeah, so rarediseases.org, Nord's website. We have lots of information there about the IM Rare program and about some of our specific, you know, use cases or examples for how our work is being used in the community. So that's a, a great way. We have some resources as well, also on the Nord's website, rarediseases.org, but we have some videos, for example, on our, our YouTube channel around explaining what a patient registry is or talking through what it's like to set up a patient registry with Nord. And then we're available to talk. The great thing about the way that we've structured our program is that we have a one-on-one -on -one relationship with everybody that comes to us to set up a study or to learn about research. So for folks who are interested in having an exploratory conversation or 
you know, learning how, like what the steps are to set up a study like this, we're always available for that conversation as well. So research at rarediseases.org is the email address for me and my team. Well, there you have it. Vanessa Boulanger. Did I say that right? I think I said that right. <laughs> yeah, you did. You could, you could add a little French flair to it if you'd like. Vanessa Boulanger. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Thank you. This is Laura recording this. People will hear this. All right. Director of research at Nord. Oh my God. This has been, this has been super cool. Thank you for doing the show. And folks, remember, be the research, pay it forward. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much. That's all for today. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe, leave a review, follow us on social, and tell all your friends to listen. NordPod is a product of the National Organization for Rare Disorders and Offscript Media. Our executive producers are Matthew Zachary and Leslie Nordstrom. Andrew McDowell is our senior producer. Karen Lee is our production manager. Valerie Don Francesco is our marketing manager. Darren Tun is our production intern. It is recorded, mixed, and edited by Matthew Zachary and the post-production team at Offscript Media. Our theme music is by the Salvatones. Learn more about the music of the Salvatones at salvatones.org. For advertising and media inquiries, email media at offscript.com. Hit us up at contact at offscript.com to share comments, feedback, and make guest recommendations. For more information, visit nordpod.org. find cars like these on auto trader like that car riding right your tail or if you're tailgating right now all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on auto trader too are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time well multitasking pro cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on auto trader new cars used cars electric cars maybe even flying cars okay no flying cars but as soon as they get invented they'll be on auto trader just you wait auto trader